My wife came up to me the other day and said, take me to the, one of the most expensive places in Atherton. I thought about it, so I took her down and filled the tank up at the servo. <laughs> uh, what? Wrong sermon. I'm supposed to be talking about joy or rejoicing. I just want to talk about something that I can handle or something that excited me. And I want to talk about Paul this morning, just some of the things that he did. And I've just called it Paul uh, chose on the sunny side to walk. Or the other version I had was Paul's, he made a choice to rejoice. And when that singing was on this morning, oh, oh I was up there somewhere, sitting on there, enjoying it. Singing along, and it was just sort of so uplifting. And I thought, oh, that's good, that's good. I'm gonna, I was rejoicing, rejoicing what God had. I'll just start off with this scripture in Acts 9 1. This is the beginning. This is just after Paul had witnessed that the, the death of uh, Stephen being uh, stoned to death. He was there. He was holding his cloaks. This is the sort of man he was talking about. He said, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went, went to the high priest and asked the letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he could be found, anyone, uh, to find anyone of the way. The way was, means that the Christian church in those days, like Jesus is the way whether men or women, that he might bring him, bound, uh, bring him bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came to near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around from heaven. The other name I had for this was Blinded by the Light. But this is about Paul, you'll see. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goes. So he trembled and astonished. He said, well, what do you want me to do, Lord? He said, I want you to rise up and go to the city and you'll be told what to do. Now, after an appearance like that, I'd have a bit of fear and trepidation there. So the men who adjourned with him stood there speechless. Well, they took my place. Hearing a voice but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. On my version that I had was uh, when he rose up, it was like things fell from his eyes. Scales fell from his eyes and I had a little caption, cataracts. I was told to cross that out because <clears throat> all I understood what I was talking about. It was three days without sight and neither ate nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, yes, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. Now, it was a straight street. It went from the east to the west in Damascus. Sounds funny. But it's called Straight. Inquire at the house of Judas and ask for the one called Saul of Tarus. For behold, he is praying. In a vision he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, isn't it funny? Well, it's not funny. Here is a, something from God, a word from God to, to do something. And here's Ananias questioning. Have you heard about this man? Have you... Heard what he's done, and then he gets those people that put people down, and 
Ananias, you know, he's saying, you sure you know what you're doing, God? We do that sometimes, don't we? But he was telling him, you know, he's, I don't know, it's not a good choice. And, and he had the authority from the chief priest to bind all those who called upon his name. But the Lord said to him, go. Is it like that straightforward direction? Not if you'd like to or when you finish your sandwich, go. Go. For he is, cho- he is a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to bear my name to the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he still must suffer in my name. So he's sending uh, Paul to Damascus and he's telling him, this is what's happening. Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying hands on him, said, Brother Saul, Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, then fell from his eyes something like scales. He was a bit ahead of himself, eh? And he received his sight at once, rose, and he was baptized. So then he had received his food. He was strengthened and Saul went spent some days with the disciples. What did it mean for Paul to live a Christian life? What does it mean for you to live a Christian life? Firstly, it starts with your relationship. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're doing it in your own strength. When Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus said to him, these sufferings that you'll go through, the good part about it was when God gives you an assignment, he gives you the equipment. I've found a lot of times ministers or overseas or missionaries, God says go, and when they get there, there's nothing there, they don't know what to do, but somehow God gives them the gear that you need. Like a carpenter, if you're going to be a carpenter, he's got to get everything that's needed to be a carpenter. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation will wait. Jesus, God gave him that assignment to go, and he told him you'll be going through tribulations, but here he says the Holy Spirit will be with you. He said, none of these things move me, nor do I count myself dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel of God. Paul doesn't just talk about going the distance in this race. He's passionate about it. He was, wasn't half-hearted about it. God's given him, he, he's, he's been slain and he's been filled with the Spirit and it even says he started preaching pretty well straight away. But Paul didn't talk about finishing the race. He was passionate about it. It wasn't just something, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. But it was something that he was really passionate about. And as he got on in Philippians 1, 6, and he, said, he, was, he said, now I'm convinced and sure of the very thing. I recognize who started this race, the race from the beginning. It was he who began. It was a deliberate act by God. He remembered the race is worth it. It's good work, God says. It's a good groundwork that God made, originating from the foundation of the world when he chose us in Christ. It says it was his assurance that it worked out. Reserved to go the distance, he will carry it to a completion. He doesn't abandon perfection, the perfection process in others or us despite our weakness or imperfections. 
That song he said, he was there all the time. If you ever want something to pick you up when you're not feeling too crash like, just say, start singing, he was there all the time. He was there. Focus on the finish line, the day of Jesus Christ and his return. So Paul realised that God's plan is positive, productive and a good work. God's plan is progressive. It keeps going forward. It'll carry us up until the end. Completion means to perfect. To fully finish, the one who commenced will conclude it. What was started by grace will be concluded by grace. God always finishes what he starts. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, his life in me, and to die is gain, the glory of eternity. Paul was an optimist. He wasn't waiting for a trial, he was waiting for a verdict. He's expecting to be released from prison. He was walking on the sunny side of life at the time. You know, his suffering was positive and fruit-bearing. His hours. He didn't say things like, why, God, well, why did you do this to me? Why is it happening to me? Why not the neighbour next door? What about me, mate? Why isn't it happening to them? What we say, oh, the devil seems to get his way in my life. Yeah, you let him in, don't we? We've got protection, we can stand against that. Rather than uh, let the preaching of the word slow down because he was in prison, Paul saw it was advancing the kingdom when the word is preached. So he's thinking, get his mind thinking there. And to advance means to make headway despite your setbacks. That goes for us. We all have setbacks. I was just reading a little thing the other day. It said, uh, just a little question, what do you do when storms come? Oh, I'm thinking of big answers and good answers. And the answer was snuggle in. I did. When the big storms come and I was a kid, and I snuggled into mum's bed, pushed her over, not realising my brother's on the other side, pushed him out, but I was there second. That's enough. A military term referring to engineers who uh, precede the army is called advance. They cut through, build bridges, remove all the obstacles that help the army advance through difficulties. God's will is so sovereign that the roadblocks set up by the enemy will become stepping stones for us for the progress of the gospel. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. I love Anyone like trivia? I'll throw a trick, quick trivia question in here. Where in the Bible were singlets first mentioned? You're right. Paul was in bonds. Remember that. I wanted to say that for about 50 years. but uh, <clears throat> Paul's in chains, not for the crime, but for Jesus. Paul avoids the dwelling on the inconvenience of the chains, not by mentioning the difficulties he had when he had to get a drink. Now, can you imagine? We all like our privacy. We like to do things right. Paul's sitting in jail with another bloke chained to him, the guard. Paul wants to go to the toilet. The guard goes to the toilet whether he wants to or not. And he wants to drink and there's an inconvenience there. And we would have sort of whinged about that. I bet the, I bet the uh, guard was whinging more. How come they picked me? Mm. But Paul avoids talking about that. Our sovereign God uses, used uh, David's sling. Our sovereign God can use Moses' rod. 
Now he's using chains to advance his kingdom. Don't limit God and what he can do. Because we can't think, oh, he can't handle that. Have you ever asked God to do something for you and then you realise it must probably be too big for him because it's his day off? You know, we funny little things we say, but it's, it's too hard for him. We, we can't see out of the box. They say you've got to get outside the, the frame of the picture to see the picture. When you look through a knothole in a fence, you only see so much. But we can limit God, we can limit people, they can limit us in what we do in our work. Paul directs the reader's eyes well, back into seeing the gospel advancing. The injustice Paul was receiving was not just evidence of the whole, to the whole guards, but everyone in the whole town. He'd become a household name because he's in chains. To the followers, he's, they saw Paul in imprisonment as the worst scenario by some thinking the ministry would stop. You know, sometimes things just aren't always how they always were. And that's what it was. But this is where Paul, he starts to rejoice. Second Timothy 2.8 Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even when to the point of being chained like a criminal. But here's the key, God's word is not chained. The gospel didn't stop because Paul was in jail. Now, he could have. He could have just did nothing and just stayed in jail. But he... God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may often may to obtain salvation for the cross. Paul had something on his heart as a salvation of anyone that he got near with. God had the solution before we had the problem, just in case. Paul rejoices because it provided him more time, opportunity to write letters, which he did. And then he had on the road. These are what he's rejoicing about. Instead of just being there, stuck in there, he looked at the setbacks and, and he said, That's, I can do something about that. That's not a setback. I'll make that a stepping stone. Besides, he's chained to different guards all the time, 24-7. An instant or, um, audience to practice on. <laughs> can you imagine? He also looked at the situation with joy because the opportunity had presented itself so he can minister to those he would not normally come across. Parole guards. Paul said he was walking on the sunny side of life. The gospel gives purpose for difficult experiences. And if we, I won't look now, but in Second Corinthians 11, uh, 23 to 28, it lists all the things that Paul went through, or the suffering that he went through. So it wasn't just plain sailing, yet God was still on his side. Like Paul, bloom where you planted. If you're here at Destiny, bloom where you're planted. Make the best of every opportunity to advance God's kingdom. God will open doors. He helps. He just, he just wants us to ask. Paul is encouraging us to, to rejoice in the joy of belonging, the joy of sharing with others, speaking his word, the joy of growing up and moving forwards, not becoming stagnant. Acts 28. One safely on shore... This is about Paul. We found out the island called Malta. The islanders showed us very uh, unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was rainy and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven by the heat, fastened onto his hand. 
When the islanders saw it, the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, he's dead. This man must be a murderer. For though he's escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul just shook the snake off into the fire, suffered no ill effects. The people expecting him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. But after a while, waiting a long time, seeing nothing happen, they changed their mind and just said he was a god. What do you do when life bites you? How do you handle it? Some really well, some not too good. There's some things you just got to shake off. Paul didn't panic. He simply shook off the snake, suffered no ill effects. He didn't make a sideshow to prove to others how much faith he had in God. He just did it. Some things happen to us in life that we neither expect or deserve. We can stumble or step over them. Do we keep reminding ourselves of the scars or do we look to the stars? We can become a victim of life or a victor in life. We can use it to motivate us to conquer the problem and drive us closer to God. God said, you didn't let me down because you weren't holding me up. It's never God's will for me to run from a difficult situation but to run to it because God wants me to learn that he is sufficient for every problem I have. Most of the snakes in life we, we can shake off if we choose to. Some, some snakes are bitterness, sad memories, resentment, unforgiveness, sorrow, depression. They take a little longer to get through. And the only made, the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars on Jesus' hand. He doesn't want us to carry all his scars with us. Jesus used his scars to offer help to others, like Thomas. The second one, there's some things that you just can't shake off. When Paul arrived in Rome, chains replaced the snakes on his hands. He couldn't shake them off. Some things we can shake off and some things we can't. It's those things that God uses to accomplish his purpose in our lives. You're familiar with the things that you can't shake off that just seem to come back. Remembering he who began good work will keep perfecting it until Jesus comes. He doesn't give up halfway. He keeps. He knows all about you. While in chains, Paul enjoyed the safety from those who wanted to kill him. That's a nice change too, isn't it? The opportunity to write, and write he did, to the individual of the churches encouraging him. His ministry didn't slow down, it increased. So did many of the others. Many of the guards came to the Lord, received salvation in the palace. Third thing, there's some things you don't have to say. Paul said it had become clear to the whole palace guards that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul didn't have to advertise in a local paper. His friends didn't carry signs and banners saying why he was in prison. It became clear to many that some things did not need to be said. Paul said Paul was a Christian and his life spoke volumes.
A lighthouse, it doesn't need to have a sign on it to say what it does. Salt doesn't need to have a sign to say what it does. Because what you are speaks louder than what you say. Everyone knew who Paul served. Paul's life was a lighthouse. He was the salt of the earth. And he said for us to be imitators. And the fourth one, there are some things you must say. Which is a passion of Paul. He said you must speak the word. What had happened to Paul encouraged those who may have held back and from not sharing the gospel and others to speak out. They became bold despite their own circumstances. They saw if Paul could do that, look where he is, and he's, the gospel's reaching people, surely we can do something. At some time in our life we may be imitated, we may be intimidated. Fear of rejection may creep up. No matter what the word, still must go forward. A testimony in John 9 says, I was blind, but and now I can see. The most effective harvest field is among the people you work with, you mix with. The, words, the word says the harvest is ready, but we lack laborers. What are we waiting for? There's some things that must be said. If it Testimonies of different people with sitting next to someone on the chair and and just chatting away and got to talk to them and all of a sudden they said, Would you like to like me to pray for you? And most times the answer came back, Oh, yes, please. And they didn't even know them, but there's this people out there that they want to see Jesus in you. And when we speak out, it's just like speaking to a friend, but there's people around and as the world gets like it's getting there's times when people are going to be walking in the store, like June said, and they're going to be just want a hug. They just want answers. And the church has got to change to suit the people that are coming in. We've got to change. We've got to see that there's a need more than our own needs. Paul said it doesn't really matter who gets the credit or prestige as long as Christ is preached. Because this is, I rejoice. Sharing the gospel is not a competition for personal gain, rivalry, or keeping a score or selfish ambitions. It's just sharing the word and seeing people's lives changed. Have you had a? Have you ever made a choice to rejoice and keep rejoicing to the end? Philippians three twelve to sixteen. Paul was saying, "It's not that I've already obtained all this, or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take that which crisis get hold of me." Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I know: this is the key for someone here, to forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. So much of our memories are pretty sad and, and meant and we want to let him go but he was saying what, see what Paul's been through assisting in getting Christians put in jail and he said forgetting forget what's going you can't change anything you can't do it we drag all this baggage with us and our life gets harder and harder to, to cope because we're all carrying all these hurts 
And then Paul was saying, get, he's striving, striving ahead to get ahead of, and not take all this rubbish with us. Just in closing now, unless you stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Unless you stand up for Jesus, you'll fall for anything. For Paul, true joy is not the surface emotion that depends on the favourable circumstances of the moment. Christian joy is independent of outward conditions and is possible even in the midst of circumstances of suffering and persecution. Paul chose to rejoice in his suffering. So next time you're going through something tough, just think it's as tough as what Paul was going through. We all are faced with difficulties in our life. We've all gone through things. There's times that I've cried out and you never heard an answer. But God never failed because it was just down the road a bit. He said, you just, it's just, what do they say? Don't give up on your miracle. Don't give up on the miracle. It's just around the corner. There's times when you just feel so alone. That's the times you've got to cuddle, snuggle in. You know, Jesus said, I open the door. But when we knock, he'll open the door. There's things that we've got to do first, things we've got to step out to do. And the word said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We've got to start drawing near to him first and he'll draw near to me. He doesn't leave me nor forsake me. He was there all the time, everything. You go to him in prayer and you bend your knees, you bend your heart. I like the saying, God's never early, he's never late. He's always on time. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you just touch every heart here today, Lord. Let every ear be open to hear what you're saying. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to bring this message to help us rejoice in the suffering that goes on around us. That, Lord, that you're still on the throne. You're still in control. No matter what happens in the stock markets, no matter what happens in government, you're still on the throne. And, Lord, we reach out and we just thank you for the privilege of knowing you and serving you, Lord. And we just thank you that we can be a part of your big plan. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, just come. Touch our hearts, Lord. Just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Because you are unique. No one can complete the job that God's given you because... It's for you. It's his plan for you. Today he's not looking for your ability. He's just looking for your availability. We humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Bend our knees and bend our heart. Allow the Spirit of God to do what he wants to do in you. The Lord says, why do you stand far off? Draw closer to me that I, I need to speak to you. My yoke is easy. He said, it's not hard. Forget what's happened in the past. I do a new thing. Nothing is too difficult with me. Thank you, Lord. Now, with the Holy Spirit, it's so good. Some say, oh, I never hear from him. It's like having a, a clock, a radio, I mean. 
Each one of you could have a radio, but you won't hear what's going on until you tune in. He's saying, tune in to me today. I used to be washing up, drying up, and, and I just felt an urge to go and pray. And my mate said, yeah, you're just getting out of washing up. I said, no. God laid something on my heart to go and pray. He's speaking to us all the time because when Jesus left, he said, I send you a helper. A helper, someone to help you through difficult situations. And there was a Lutheran man out at Capella where we were and we were talking about hearing from God and he said, uh, June was sharing something with him about this, kept, this little voice kept coming back, a little quiet voice and I didn't do anything about it and we find out something happened and he said, oh, a couple of weeks ago he said, I had this urge in my heart, I didn't know what it was, I just put it aside. And I said, what was it about? Oh, something about my auntie, but I never rang or anything. But he said, two weeks later, I found that she died. And he's a man of God that didn't know that God speaks to you. And never let anyone tell you that the Holy Spirit doesn't touch, speak to you. When you're in tune, when we put the busy things of life, when we put the, the stuff of life, sit. Just listen. You mightn't hear every time, but he never gives up. I so miss the presence of God when you just can't even stand in his presence. That's what I was sort of grew up with, but, but God will have his way because things are changing and God's doing something new in your life and my life and he wants us to be part of that. Let him be real in your life today. Thank you, Lord.